So it looks like Josh gets, keeps on being a reference point, and I'm almost tempted to preach out of Joshua, but I'm not. <laughs> the, uh, but what Josh was saying this morning, really, it was a great introduction to where I'm going to today, and talking about where he was talking about that we, be, we practice our faith, we live the faith, and, and, and every day it made me think of weeds. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned and God judged this world, he said, you're going to work with the spread of your brow, Adam, and he said, you're going to till the ground, it's going to yield thorn and thistle. Um, and I think about that every time when I have to deal with weeds. Weeds just grow everywhere easily. Just grow anywhere, anywhere you can imagine. In our gutters, and just, just anywhere. But anything with fruit has to be with intention, intentionality. It doesn't come easy. So our Christian walk with Christ... Listen, it doesn't come natural with us. It has to be by supernatural. By the new life that Christ has placed within us because in the ordinary and natural, we would just be a bunch of weeds. But the Lord has planted us and we're going to produce fruit in him such as the fruit of the Spirit. God has given us life. That it just doesn't come easy. Anybody here found it real easy to walk a walk of faith? And I want to talk to you after church, you know. And maybe you can help me along. But with intention, we can make it when we're intentional and we draw close to him. And so thank you, Josh, for that. This morning, I want to share a few words this morning, a message. And I titled the message... Guard your heart. Guard your heart. I really felt led of God to preach about this because there's a lot of things going around us, going on around us. There is a plot and a scheme by the enemy to wear out the saints of God. And so many Christians get worn out because of the environment around them that the enemy feels like sometimes the Christian will think, you know, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to feel like, wow, this, this isn't as exciting as I thought it was and such. Because why? Because we're not running a 50-yard dash. We're in a lifelong marathon that our entire life we serve Jesus Christ and we'll be faithful to him. But I'd just like to preach a little bit on guard your heart. Guard your heart. As a pastor, I feel the urgency of teaching and, and sharing truth with you and all of us here. I thank God for the sermons that are explosive. And this may not be explosive, okay? But pastors are teachers and pastors must instruct. And the greatest thing of responsibility I have is that you will make it to heaven. 
and that you will make it and serve the Lord. So I'm just going to give you this word this morning. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to, he'll make it exciting. I quit trying to impress, uh, trying to be fantastic and, you know, great because I realized I wasn't all that fantastic. I'm just me, but God is God and he is so fantastic. If that is a a word that could describe him. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you, God, that I might be able to share. I pray, Father, that you help me to speak with clarity and understanding. I pray, Father, that you will make your people, all of us in this room and those who may be watching, receive a word that will help them to walk that daily walk and to be faithful to you, Lord, and to not fall into being a victim to the devil's devices, but that we be aware of his devices, that we'll grow and be empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name I ask it, Father. Amen. Amen. Guard your heart. The Great Wall of China is actually, it's an ancient series of walls and fortifications. It just wasn't built all at once. It represents centuries and dynasties of the Chinese people of certain dynasties and ruling factions. The Great Wall of China is 13,000 miles in length. That's a long wall. And it's located in northern China. It's one of the few things that can be seen from outer space. You can, as, you, as a satellite goes over across China, you can, they can see the Great Wall of China because of its length. It's the best known pictures that we've seen, popular pictures of, and best preserved section of the Great Wall We've seen various, maybe a movie or seen the president walk there in the past. Or those scenes and pictures of the Great Wall of China was built in the 14th through the 17th centuries during the Ming Dynasty. Ming Dynasty. I thought of Ming. I thought about vases. Have you ever heard about the Ming vases? You know, they're vase or... They're expensive, rare, ancient, very expensive, very rare, very, they're priceless. The Ming, during the Ming Dynasty, I've checked my vases at home and looked underneath it and it's got great value on it. Walmart. No Ming. Chinese. But this wall was built to keep out forces, a fortification to protect. Defensive fortifications, listen to me on this. Defensive fortifications are only as good as the people manning them. This would prove even more true, even about the Great Wall of China, for example. In 1644, 
the Ming dynasty was betrayed by an invading Manchu army and forces. And they were invaded because there was simply a turncoat general who simply let the enemy army through a gate. So it's so vital that we guard our heart and we keep eye on the gates of our heart so that we can serve the Lord, so we might please him. Being saved and filled with the Spirit means that we are to walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and not walk and fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's go to the Old Testament Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Can I read this from the New Living Translation Bible? It reads as follows. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So here is these, this importance of guarding our heart. Guarding our heart. I mean, Paul knew the supernatural happenings of conversion and being born again when he shares a classic verse of Scripture in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul knew how important it was to guard the heart because as God gave him the revelation and, and he shared it with the Ephesian church and wrote it and, and we can find it in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, uh, uh, talking about the panoply or the armament of the children of God and what they're supposed to wear, the one specific armament, the one piece of armor that he says, he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That will guard, in essence, he's saying to guard your heart that it may remain righteous before the Lord. And righteousness is just a fancy word for being right with God. And being righteous through Jesus Christ. He wrote in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying, Abba, Father. 
Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That we have this responsibility to guard our heart because out of that is the issue of life. Out of that is the determination of where it's going to determine where we're going to go and what we're going to do is what is in the heart. And Solomon knew about that. And in that, I want to share with you in, from Proverbs, he, he shares to guard your heart. The way it tells us to do it by guarding our heart is guarding what we call could be the four gates that lead to our hearts or to our spirits. In the Bible, spirit and heart of man is an interchangeable same subject. That when Jesus comes, he doesn't come and save us and dwells in our heads. No, his spirit lives within us, in our spirit, man, in our heart. That's where we're made righteous before the Lord. And there is an enemy that wants to keep on wanting and desiring and working and pounding to want to break through in the gates that lead to our hearts. Solomon mentions, he mentions several gates. He mentions the tongue gate, which is what you say. The ear gate is what you hear. The eye gate is what you see. The feet gate is where you go. Because your ears, eyes, tongue, and feet are gateways to our hearts, determining where we're at and how we live and what's inside of us. In Bible times, cities were surrounded by walls with several gates. The walls were there for protection. And the gates were there to let the right people in and the wrong people out. Wow. Likewise, those four gates Solomon mentions here, they're gateways to the heart. They are to let the right things in and keep the wrong things out. I feel the, the urgency to preach this because there's so much a bombardment with all these gates. In the day we're living now, the images and the things we hear and, and, and the things people say and where people can go now. Let me tell you, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. You got it with you when you, brought, when you came home. Okay, you're carrying it with you. You open that gate and now there it is. You got Vegas and you're bringing it home. Whatever you did, it's there. Can I get an amen out of that? Come on. The only safe zone is the Jesus zone. The only righteous place is in the place he's provided. And that he wants us to live righteously in him. And he gives us a Holy Spirit to make sure that we have the power and the written word to give us the lessons and we can walk in righteousness. He didn't tell you to hold on to your old life and now start doing right. He said, no, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new life. And now you can start new and fresh and, and you can live right through my spirit and my word. Man, elbow your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. See, there you go. You thought I was going to say he's talking to you. He's talking to me. The things we allow into those gateways directly affect our spiritual condition of our heart. So he says, Solomon said, guard your heart above all else. And we do it by guarding the gates. 
whether or not we walk in the spirit or the flesh swings on what we let into those four gateways. Yeah. We can either open the gates to the things that edify our spirits and enhance our being filled with the Holy Spirit, or we can let in things that grieve the spirit and hinder our ability to walk in the spirit. You know, when we walk in the spirit, we hear from the Lord. When we're not walking in the spirit, we, we walk in the flesh. And what happens, we start taking advice from the flesh. And so we fulfill those lusts that the flesh wants to bring on. The Bible instructs us to make it our aim to not grieve the spirit of God. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, Do not grieve the Spirit of God from which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Taking charge of those four gateways is vital to walking in the Spirit and having victory over the flesh. You take charge over those gates, and I will tell you, you will start walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh. You'll have victory. God will give you victory. Let me tell you, victory is not a feeling. Victory is a position and a condition that you're in. It's not a feeling. That's why many Christians fall prey to. They want to keep on getting the feeling back so they, they feel like, well, everything's okay because I feel all right. No, you're okay because you stand in righteousness and your gates are being watched and you're making sure that certain things do not come into those gates so those things will begin to enter your heart. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout amen. amen. Thank you so much. Remember, the promise is to walk by the Spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Galatians 5.16. Look at these four gateways today. I'd like to say a few things about it. Number one is that Solomon mentions, he says, to guard your eye gate. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. That's in verse 25. In other words, a straight gaze prevents a wandering eye. A straight gaze prevents a wandering eye. God wants us to set our affections on things above and not here on earth. The word says that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we're to put God first. God in everything before us, that the Lord is with us. How many here believes that God's with us at all times? How many believes that God sees us at every moment, every given time? And he's not a vengeful God. He's a loving God, and he helps us. Uh, and when I have made mistakes, his loving eyes has drawn me back to his uh, relationship and his love in my life. But I will tell you, I do not serve God because I don't want to go to hell. I do not serve God because uh, I, I, I'm afraid God's going to judge me. I serve God because I found that in a proper relationship, he loves me and I love him. And I sin, I don't sin because of my love relationship with Jesus. Any other path... You trying to do it right without that, you're going to fail. It's by the love of Christ, and you love him. Love him with all your heart so much that you know what? I'm going to put some extra care to these gates. I'm not going to let, let the enemy come in. Guard your eye gate. 
Over and over, the Bible talks about us, the importance of having a true focus. Made me think of when I went to, the first time when I went to the Kentucky State Fair. I only lived about a mile away from it in Louisville, Kentucky, my old neighborhood. And so I walked to the Kentucky State Fair. I had some money because I cut grass. And mom let me go. And uh, I walked in, and this is incredible. There were so many things, you know, to see. When I walked in, there was, what, what was that? Uh, what was Michael? Michael, what's that farm guy's name? Freddie Farm Bureau. Was right at the entrance. This thing was like, it was as tall, almost as tall as that ceiling right there. And what I didn't know what was interesting, when you walk close to it, suddenly start, he started talking to you when I knew that somebody in the, had a microphone that was somewhere hidden, couldn't see, but he started talking to me. How you doing there, young fella? Did you come here to see the fair? Be sure and stop by and see all the great exhibits we have. And all that's well, thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked in and saw the exhibits, but then I went back to where the Midway was. They called Midway. I walked back there. I thought, well, I'll look at the rides and stuff. And I walked back. I realized as I tried to walk to where, where the rides were, there was a barrage of the, of the vendors and the game people who were crying out to me wanted me to stop and play a game in the midway before I can get to a ride. It's all the left and right constantly. Whether I want to throw a, a something and break some bottles or toss a ring or win a prize, all the, they, they just wouldn't let you get past them unless they kind of throw out a little distraction there. Get your attention. And so I realized that that's how the enemy works. <clears throat> He wants to get our attention. <clears throat> he wants to create a distraction in our life. And you don't have to go very far to get a distraction. You've got something, some things that you've bought and paid money for that can easily distract you, whether it be a, a screen. Screens. We got screens everywhere. You know that? Think about it. We got a screen. We don't have phones anymore. We got a device. It's called a device. That scares me to death. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices, the Bible says. So I thought, device. I got a device. Smart. I think smart elec phone. I don't think it's really smart. It tells me what I want to see. Yeah. But the truth is, is that we've got so many things that distract us, and we can see so much, we can hear so much, get around so much. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Jesus said of the eye gate, he said in Matthew 6, through 23, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So the enemies want to bring the darkness in, into the eye gate. Without a doubt, the Lord's telling us that to guard that eye gate is key to walking in the spirit, where our soul can be filled with, the, with that light. 
Light is a place where you know where you're going. Light is an understanding, a clear understanding, so you can see and know what's going on. Many times Christians are confused because they've allowed darkness to come in where light's supposed to be. They allowed things to come in through the eye gate. And so God wants us to be careful what we see, what we look at. Be careful. Be careful what you look at, what catches your eye. Be careful what you look at. We're living in a society so filled with sexuality that is, it's, it's incredible. You can't have... You can't have a hamburger commercial unless it's sexual. You know what I mean? Everything has got to be sexual. And then we wonder why our generation being raised right now is so desensitized to what love really is and so fluid in their thinking about what love is is that we're in a society where the enemy is constantly trying to get in at us through the eye gate. Gentlemen, if you look at a woman beside your wife and lust after her, Jesus said you've already committed adultery. Stay away from it. Look the other way. Look straight ahead and understand that God wants you to guard your eye gate and what you see. He wants you to guard it. The second gate is the tongue Gate. Solomon says, guard your tongue, avoid all perverse talk. The more we take charge of our tongue, the more we will enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said a lot about the importance of words. Matthew 12, 36 says, but I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless and useless word they speak. Through the tongue gate, they just going to give a piece of the mind that they don't have, really. They better hang on to every bit they got and don't release any of it. At least I have to do that, hold on to it. The Lord is saying that if we don't guard the mouth gate, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, 19, he says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. When the heart is not what it should be and the tongue gate has been left open, we say things that we shouldn't be saying. If we speak defiling and critical, abusive, profane words, how can we walk in the Spirit if this is coming from our heart? Paul wrote the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4.29, Do not let unwholesome, foul, this is amplified so it's a little longer, Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good for building up others. Building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be blessing to those who hear you speak. Don't use profanity. Don't say and speak gossip. Don't make crude sexual jokes or abuse others with your words. 
but say things that will edify and lift up someone's spirit. That's the love of Christ. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the righteousness speaking out of you and not unrighteousness. Notice how, how after Paul commands us to be continuously, he says to be filled with the Spirit in that chapter, he immediately focuses on the words we speak. Words we speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles us. He said that, he wrote that in Ephesians 5, 18 and 20. But do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to the God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being filled with the Spirit by speaking the word of God to one another. By singing in the joyful praise unto God. And giving thanks to God. Let that be our language to those around us. Being controlling our tongue is... It's pivotal to walking in the Spirit. You know, watch the tongue gate. Be careful what you say. It can be cutting. It can destroy. We can, the power of life and death is given to the tongue. You either edify and build up and give life, or else you can kill somebody. You can destroy them. You can work with their mind and play games and mind games with them. The third gate we're to guard is the ear gate. What we listen to, the scripture says, Solomon says, stay away from corrupt speech. Turn away from it. I mean, have you ever heard the saying, oh, talk to the hand because the head's not listening? I say, don't even give them your hand. Stop it in a moment. Help someone to learn to say the right stuff. Question them if they say something open-ended and make you wonder and think. Let's be concise. Let's be direct in the love of God in our heart and our life. Pose a question if someone says something that is, that pulls down someone else or tears down someone else. You say, could you explain that to me? Or maybe you just say, listen, God bless you. I just don't think this ought to be spoken, talked of, and walk away. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's get, let's get true here, okay? Some people need to realize they need to quit saying what they're saying. And they need to change their actions. Because I will tell you this, my friend. God has not called you to be a dumping ground. Well, you got to sit there and listen to it. God has not called you to be a dumping ground. Be careful. They'll come to you and say, I need some consoling. Or will you pray for me? And then they start in with really the real content. Say, listen, no, this isn't pleasing to God. And this shouldn't be talk, uh, spoken of. Can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Yeah, because you're trying to help someone. You're helping them to find the way and the truth. And the life. You know, I've had people talk about me in the past. I know they do. I'm just a big target. You know what I mean? I am. If you lead, you're a target. You'll always be a target. So we ain't going to like the way you do it. 
So he's ignoring me. He's not shaking my hand. He's not smiling at me. What's wrong with him and all this other stuff? Well, I'll just say pray for me, okay? I'm part of the terrible race you're a part of. It's called the human race. And the thing is, is that pray for me, the Holy Spirit take over me even more. But then also pray for yourself. That the Holy Spirit may get a hold of you and help you and minister to you. And maybe you might see things a little bit differently. And you'll say the things that are loving and good. Have you ever really chewed out someone before? Don't raise your hand. There are people watching. You don't want to entertain their eye gate for a moment. Really done. And then you walk away and tell me how you felt. Because whatever happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. You've picked up that stuff. You've got that stuff on you. This is just not, you spewed out. You literally, it's like, let's face it, some spittle has come up, some vomit has come up, and it's landed on you. Yeah. God doesn't want that. He wants us to build up one another and love one another in the Lord. I told you, this is a shout message. So let's just say, praise the Lord. I count to three, say, praise the Lord. One, two, three. Hallelujah. 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 You know, God gave us eyelids, but he didn't give us earlids. So it's up to us to walk away from things we shouldn't listen to. It will quench the spirit in our life. It will quench the spirit in our life when we take this stuff in. You're not called to be a dumping ground. If it's dirty, walk away. If it's gossip, walk away. If it's profanity, walk away. If it's blasphemous, walk away. If you sense the spirit grieved in you, walk away. I'll tell you something that's happened to me. Can I be transparent with you for a moment? Can I? No. We are really living in troublesome times. And there are things that are happening around us. And there are some atrocious things that are happening overseas. And it's, you know, it's, you know what I'm talking about. The wars, the Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars in the last days. There's a war going on with Israel. Of course, let me tell you, God wants me, God has taught me something. The things that I can make an impact on and change around me in my world, I'll do it. But the things that are far bigger than me and larger than me, then I turn to the one who is larger than me and greater than me and the God of all the universe who made the universe. I say, dear God, intervene. God, bless Israel. God, help Israel. God, help those in these atrocities and the things that are going on. God's going to handle it to the forces that are against Israel. Jesus is going to be riding on a white horse. And he's going to judge all the nations that come against God's people. But I got to tell you, when it comes to watching the news, especially these days of trying and violent times, I want to say this word to you and you walk away with it. Because God gave it to me. Be informed, but not influenced. Be informed, but don't be influenced. When you fall under the influence, you'll become increasingly negative and fearful. 
seeing and hearing nothing but the stories of violence and bigotry and failure and fault-finding. Too much content may lead to fear or despair. Limit how much you watch and you hear. Limit and be sure you're in the good news while you have to look at every once in a while the bad news. And understand that God wants you to take authority over the life that you're living in and live in righteousness and guard those gates so the enemy can't come in. And then now these other things around us that are bigger than us, then we need to pray. Don't ignore it. Pray about it. Pray for them. Seek the face of God on, on the behalf of humanity. It's good to be informed, but don't fall under the influence Philippians 4 and 8, Paul says it finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there, be, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I'm watching a normal TV program, and this time of year, you know what's out there right now. In October. October. You know what I did? I'll tell you what my technique is. I especially go to a football game, a previous channel. And when there's a commercial come up of hideous, hideous demonic stuff, I just hit previous and go to the ball game. <laughs> Even though I'm not cheering for the teams. It at least gives me a chance to look at some, something else. Because I gotta tell you, this brain of mine cannot comprehend the wickedness of the world. I I had trouble dealing with the, the atrocities happening in the Middle East. It was bogging me down. It was upsetting me. It was I just I you know, dear God, I can't believe this all this. And and maybe like I, I told you, I'm getting soft with my experienced years here. Okay, I'm getting a little soft here, and it breaks my heart when I hear about young people and atro atrocious things that happen. I get all emotional. I start crying. It's just I, I just you know, it's it's this. I don't understand this world. But I look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I believe that he is large and in charge. And I believe he's going to take care of everything. And nothing catches him by surprise. But it's like, boy, I mean, I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, North Carolina playing. It's just North Carolina playing against somebody. I don't know, Miami. You know, I don't follow that. You know, OSU, I kind of linger a little bit, but I couldn't find them yesterday. I don't have Peacock. Peacock. I, I wanted to watch a Bengals game, and it was supposed to be on Paramount live streaming, Paramount Plus. Yeah, I broke down. I went on and I ordered Paramount Plus, and it was Sunday afternoon. My son calls me and says, hey, Dad, CBS is back on DirecTV, and I just signed a year contract. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Watch what goes in the eye gate. 
Parents, you've got a computer device or such, you put it in the center of the house. That's what the whole idea is. you got a computer, don't let that be hidden in the confines of your children's privacy. I grew up in an age where kids didn't have privacy. Unless there was the privy. They went to the privy, then that's different. And if they demand privacy, the door was coming off of the hinges of the room. There is no privacy in this house. Why? Because I'm ready to lay down my very life. And God has called me to be the gatekeeper of my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Call me square. Call me crazy. Call me, call me an extremist and a fanatic. But call me to be in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll serve him forever. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And you start guarding the gates. Now, the last one is this one I'll try and close. Finally, you know, we talked about the ear gate, the eye gate, the tongue gate. Now there's the feet gate. We're to guard where we go. Proverbs 4 and 26, 27, mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. I often think of Abraham's nephew, Lot. When reading verses of Scripture and accounting Scripture, in the, I think it's in the 13th, 13th chapter of Genesis, Lot messed up with all the gates, especially this last one, the feet gate. The Bible records in Genesis that the day came when Lot and Abraham parted ways. His herdsmen to get in fight with other herdsmen. Then they just they parted ways. Abraham, being gracious, told Lot, he said, go wherever you like. And that he, Abraham said, I'll take the leftovers. This, that, that's a spiritual word, I'll tell you. The world thinks that you're left with leftovers. But with God, God will give you great increase. And you'll come on top. Even if you think you're being, you're, you're left with leftovers, even if the world says you're just, boy, you're in the stone age, uh, you're so ridiculous and all this stuff, I'm telling you, you will come out on top uh, with the leftovers. If your heart is right with God, God will bless you for your decision to serve him with all your heart. So what happened was that verse 27 don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Lot, Lot chose in the direction of Sodom. And I think the scripture even says he set his eyes on Sodom. Lot saw the, the lush green pasture surrounding Sodom, and he pitched, his, he pitched his tent there facing Sodom. Even though the Bible informs us that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked, and simple against the Lord, Lot still pitched his tent towards Sodom. Lot exposed the eye gate daily to that place by turning his tent toward it. He saw it every day, Sodom, Sodom, Sodom. When he decided to move into Sodom and built his house in Sodom, and then he raised his family there in Sodom, what was the result? In 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, the Bible says, Peter writes, Lot, a righteous man, was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawlessness. For that righteous man living among them 
day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard, the eye gate and the ear gate. He was all around and let it go in. The sad thing is he never had to experience how it would be if he had control of these gates. He never would have experienced what he went through. You can't walk in the spirit if you're hanging around a den of iniquity. Yeah. It won't work. There are certain places that a Christian has no business going because the Christian will grieve the Holy Spirit and we open the gates to the flesh. The best question to ask ourselves is this, before going to any certain place, is this. Can I take Jesus with me with a clear conscience? The truth is, we take Jesus with us wherever we go. See, this is what the Lord had planned. He went and moved in. So wherever we go, he goes. Because he loves us that much. He's not trying to police. He's trying to bless. He's trying to give us increase and encouragement when he comes and dwells inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is in us. He lives within every believer through the Holy Spirit. And the Bible even says we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. God knows and understands that it is impossible in this sinful world to always avoid situations and places that are ungodly. Sometimes we just get stuck with it. Sometimes we go to the workplace and it's ungodly. You can choose to not intentionally hang around there. Do your job and go home. Don't get attached with what the surrounding is at the workplace. I'll tell you a little simple word of advice. You get affirmation at home. You don't get it at the workplace. You go home and be with your family and the love that they have for you, but you go to workplace because you love your family and the place where you get your affirmation. It's not your coworkers. Oh, I know some, you kind of hesitate there. You love them, but you, a lot of times they don't live the life that you ought to live. And if anything, God has called us to be a light in darkness, not allow darkness to come in. We're supposed to have an impact on someone's life, not others having impact on our life that leads us away from the word of God. Don't compromise because you have Jesus in your life. I want everybody to say this with me. We you repeat this after me and let it be a pledge? If I guard my eye gate, ear gate, tongue gate, and foot gate, I will greatly strengthen my walk in the Spirit. Yes, you will. God will use you for his glory he will bless you. And to those who are here today might be thinking, you know what, Pastor? I've already been messing up. I've already been, my gates tore down. I've let the enemy come in through some of these gates. And I'm, and I'm defeated and I'm discouraged. I feel as though I'm far away from God. But I don't want to stay that way. The Bible says in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a, right, a steadfast and right spirit within me. 
Do not cast me away, me away from your presence and do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Ezekiel 36 and 26 and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And listen, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Instead of repairing the gates, if you know that you've been invaded and you allowed the invasion, God says, ah, forget about the gates. I want to create a new heart in you. And then you begin to guard your heart. You know, <laughs> Christians will say, well, I don't need to get saved again. I don't know. Sometimes I, <laughs> you ever felt like you need to get saved again? You picked up all this junk and stuff. And you just don't want to deal with it anymore. God says, you don't have to go back and just start hammering and screwing up the hinges and doing all this stuff. No, no, no. God says, you've already been invaded. Right now, I'll give you a clean heart, a new heart. And from there, through me, you can serve me. Through him and him alone. That's what we can do. That's what he can do. Because you know, guys, when it comes down to battling against the enemy, the only help we have is Jesus. The only victory we have is Jesus. And I just wonder, maybe there's some folks here this morning saying, you know, Pastor, I've been looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. Pastor, I've been saying some stuff that have really been put down and vicious and I've been losing my temper and man, I've been spewing out profanities. I just don't, I don't want the enemy. I want to guard my heart. I want to guard my heart and serve the Lord. I, I just don't want to do that anymore. Pastor, I, I'm just so discouraged. I just feel like the world's crashing in on me. I hear all this stuff and I just don't know what I'm going to do. I've been going to wrong places. Pastor, I've been hanging around wrong people, been going places. I've been getting around the wrong people instead of me influencing them and leading them to Christ. I've just been joining in what they're doing. I'm living like I used to live, the old life, the wrong life. Well, I tell you what, the enemy has come through the walls and has entered into the gates and has ran and charged your heart. God says, wait a minute. The greatest victory is, I will grab that heart and throw it out, and I'll give you a new heart and a new life. And then from there, see, we serve the Lord from a victorious standpoint. We're victorious once we choose Christ. We're not trying to gain victory. We already have victory. We got to live it out, live it out in Him. Would you stand with me right now?